Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Inside Texas Beat reporter Joe Cook. Joe was in Houston. On Wednesday, saw Steve Sarkeesian uh, twice at the Houston Touchdown Club luncheon on Wednesday uh, Wednesday afternoon for lunch, and then uh, went to dinner, I think, for uh, the Texas X's in the evening uh, in Houston. Uh, Joe, how you doing, man? I'm good. I've been burning up the miles, so ready to ready to sleep in my own bed for a little bit. <laughs> uh, tell us your overall, your takeaway uh, from those two meetings with, uh, with Sark and, and a group of people, uh, the last uh, day or so. Yeah. So it's not just those two in Houston, uh, yesterday, I saw the one in Dallas last week as well, the Texas X's event. Uh, so I heard the, the spiel, uh, a handful of times, both from, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, also Chris Del Conte and Houston, they had Vic Schaefer and in Dallas, they had, uh, Chris Beard. So I've, I've heard, everybody's spiel. Um, one thing that Steve Sarkeesian made sure to reiterate a lot is that when he took the job last year, um, there were COVID restrictions and there was also construction in the South end zone. So they had to do a lot of temporary uh, facilitating and meeting and stuff like that. Didn't really lend a team building. And so one of the things he admitted he failed at, he wasn't making an excuse. He said, I flat out failed uh was in in making you know building the bonds between the team uh because they were having position meetings in suites and having uh the big meetings in in deck chairs on not deck chairs but poker chairs in the eighth floor club uh his office was in all the other where all the other athletic department offices are uh, in belmont instead of you know right outside the locker room in the south end zone so he reiterated that there were times when in he did kind of make some qualifications to make it sound better. Good for him. Uh, He said things like when we had leads against three top 10 teams that we surrendered, which, okay, good for you. Uh, But he said there wasn't a lot of, you know, looking to the left, looking to the right, playing for your brother because they hadn't built the camaraderie needed throughout that off season. And he said, one of the big things that he's had this year, uh, his big goals throughout this off season was to make sure that, there was more camaraderie. The team was closer together. Um, and it sounds like that's, that's been the case. Uh, we've written on inside Texas about, you know, those position drafts. I think you talked about it with not position drafts, but kind of workout group drafts. Uh, you talked about it with, with Eric uh, last time that, that helps. It, it really builds accountability uh, because it shows who is doing well and who isn't doing well. And uh, by coaching returns, by, uh, player returns that we had throughout the spring. It sounds like in that area, Steve Sarkeesian's made a market improvement. Um, I guess one other thing uh, to to note that just off the top of my head is, you know, we've kind of d- called um, Roshan Johnson the likely leader. It was nice to hear Steve Sarkeesian come out and just fat, flat out say it. Like, that's our locker room leader. Uh, I, we all knew that. We all knew that was the case. 
Um, he also touched a lot about name, image, and likeness. Of course, fans are going to want to know exactly what the the head coach and the athletic director thinks. He had a he basically had a really good refrain, and I don't blame him at all. Uh, talking about Bijan Robinson, he got that Lamborghini deal, and he said, you know, that's what NIL is kind of supposed to be about. It's supposed to be the best players getting the opportunity to make make money off their name image and likeness Bijan robinson's a, a heisman candidate he's a top two likely top one back in the country uh it makes sense that he's able to get nice things as a result of all the hard work he's done but he would go on to consistently say like hey it isn't just the football that makes this guy great he's a better person off the field and so he he did a lot of pots of storytelling throughout the course of these trips that he's made in order to I guess, reassure um, fans that, hey, the NIL is something that's going to help Texas. There's some things that he obviously can't talk about as far as that goes, but he was very encouraged and painted it all in a positive slant whenever he had the opportunity to talk about it. Talking about uh, one of the things, couple, I, I have a couple of uh, tidbits here I want to go over and get your take on it. Uh, he mentioned Ajay Hall uh, by name. He was allowed to do that, I believe. Uh, because Ajay has signed his letter of intent, so to speak, or his financial aid agreement, excuse right. me. Right, yeah. Um, um, yeah, and so he can at least say that. Uh, give a, give people an update on the Ajay Hall, the wide receiver from Alabama, and, and who is a transfer is expected to Texas. So I forget when he decided to, to announce his transfer, but uh, announced it, I think, about a month ago, something like that. And since then, somebody the other day noticed that, oh, Jai Hall doesn't have anything Texas related on his social media or his social media has been wiped. And some people who don't understand how college football rosters work, that you can't be on a roster until you're enrolled in a program, noted, oh, he's not on the roster. He never was in the first place. Uh, someone, so like you mentioned, someone asked about, uh, kind of shows you know, a little bit about the crowd. Someone asked about, are, someone asked Steve Sarkeesian, are we getting a Jai Hall and, Jor and Jordan Addison? And he kind of just, you know, he can't mention them by name. He could mention Hall by name because he signed a financial aid agreement. Uh, what that is, is it binds the school to the player. So if a Jai Hall comes to Texas, Texas is bound to pay him the financial aid, the scholarship that he, they agreed to. Um, does not, necessarily mean that a Jai Hall has to go to Texas. It's not a letter of intent, but Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that, hey, we feel really good about that. And he also hinted that maybe some of that social media wipe was Texas's idea. He didn't really expand on that. Doesn't make a ton of sense, but, you know, whatever, whatever floats their boat. Didn't sound concerned at all about a Jai Hall. And I think one thing that it's starting to resonate with me is there's a reason they went after him, even though, yeah, of course, five-star player, uh, some red flags, obviously, with considering his past, but Texas lost three wide receivers. And so it wasn't about just building riches, as I think a lot of people want it to be, but it was about amassing depth because they lost uh, John Harrison, Kelvante Dixon, Marcus Washington in the span of a few days. Now, yeah, we, we know the reason they're going after him is not exactly depth, but to get the best players possible. But that was one of the reasons that he listed and uh, said he felt good about a Jai Hall coming to, to Texas still. He say anything that caught your attention about Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff award winner? Um, and at least in Dallas, he, he reiterated what I just mentioned. Like, I'm going to try and make my team as, as 
good as it possibly can in order to win as soon as we possibly can. I don't think he's worried, at least publicly with his statements about a setup year or, or anything like that. He, he's talked about, you know, wanting to win now. Um, the other thing uh, that a little bit outside of Addison um, that he was asked about is the other recruitment that everybody's concerned about as a Texas fan. And of course, he can't comment specifically on um, on Arch Manning, but I'll give credit to Anwar for asking a, a good question that got a good answer. Anwar Richardson, he said, you know, when do you maybe decide to with how quarterback recruiting is decide to go another direction or try something else? And I put this in my article on Inside Texas today. So we're going to be patient. We're going to believe that our process and our track record is is going to help us in these recruitments. And you mentioned, you know, I'm not if I wanted a quarterback committed today, I could get a quarterback committed today. But he's going after the best of the best. You know, he's a five star plus consensus number one prospect. And that he, he, he basically said, I'm pursuing Arch Manning until I can't without saying I'm pursuing Arch Manning until I can't. Uh, some people talked to me and told me that he had a great energy at the luncheon in Houston, uh, really kind of a, a aggressive, okay, let's go, let's go after it uh, type of situation compared to uh, maybe what he had more reserved in Dallas, Fort Worth, or even San Antonio. Um, what I, <laughs> you know, uh, that's coming off of, he also said something very, very, very funny because it was mentioned that the Fox that Fox may uh, be picking up the Texas OU game and put place not only picking it up, but placing it at their big noon kickoff, which actually is eleven o'clock uh, Central Time. Um, and somebody asked him a question about that. What was his exact response? Because I thought it was kind of funny. Basically said, "Roll the ball out. We'll play it any time." Um, and you know, good response. It's and one of my the things I've been going back to is it's hot in Texas. It's hot in Alabama. It's going to be hot for everybody on that field. One thing Sarkeesian's reiterated over the course of uh, the past year or so is they practice, they're a morning practice team. I think Tom Herman was an evening to late afternoon practice team. Uh, they were, they're different uh, under Steve Sarkeesian. So he's kind of been saying, Hey, I'm, I'm cool with morning games. It allows me to go ahead and, you know, stay within our typical routine and then he's able to recruit after and, and talk to recruits and there's going to be a ton during that Alabama game you and I know very well so um, I think and I, I've made this point plenty recently there's their fan bases Texas included LSU I think being another one that you know it's it's their god-given right to play under the lights and of course weather is is a big factor in that I, I don't get I understand that completely but this is about what Fox wants to do to get 10 million viewers instead of worrying about the 100,000 in the stadium. And that's just the way that college football has moved. Uh, Big Noon Saturday can get – it has gotten big ratings, as I pointed out on Inside Texas, about saying why they would want to do that. Um, it's not official. Uh, it's, it, it's, it hasn't been official yet. But if Joel Klatt's going, if it's on Fox, if it's Alabama, they're not going to abandon their branding uh, just for one time. Um, and also they've got an Astros game to air on the broadcast channel later in the day too. So um, there, it, it's, it's not official, but just get ready for 11 AM. And it sounds like Steve Sarkeesian's ready for it, no matter what time they announce. Looking at it, uh, you also mentioned and touched on this in your article uh, about the, the, the 16 hour rule, they get two hours 
each week over an eight-week period uh, to uh, meet with uh, quarterbacks, linemen, whoever they want to. The coaches do basically each position across the team. Uh, you, you, uh, somebody talked to Sarkeesian about that or got some clarification. What was his re- response? And try to try to articulate that as best as you can. So he's he kind of talked about the process the NCAA has had over I don't know how long. Again, at Touchdown Club, there were a lot of few former lettermen in the room. Mattress Mac was in the room. Uh, spoke a little bit about NIL, which is pretty funny. Uh, but he, he said, you know, at one point, and I probably have the order wrong, used to everybody went home for the summer and would show up in August and say, all right, welcome back to school, time for camp. Then the NCAA said that they could pay for summer school. And then they said that you could work out during summer school. And then you could have film study and meetings. And now they've announced that, uh, or put, I think they put it in a couple of years ago and it's going into effect right now, that you can have two hours per week. In addition to the two hours of meetings per week, you can have two hours per week of on-field skill work with a ball. And I think it, no pads, uh, but used to, it was just like workouts, no ball was allowed and no assistants were allowed. Now it's, uh, they, there are assistants involved, there's a ball. It's basically just kind of be, I guess, sounds like touch football, seven on seven, what we see in those recruiting camps all the time, that, that type of football. And I think a lot of people's vision about that has been as far as, you know, the linemen and getting the linemen ready. Only Cole Hudson was, was the only early enrollee, a lot of expectations for, for Kelvin Banks and uh, uh, Devon Campbell and Neto Umio Zulu that, you know, one of those three, maybe even more are going to come in and compete to play right away. And that, okay, these two hours are going to be big for them. Two hours a week, 16 hours total are going to be big for them. What Sarkeesian mentioned, and I can't believe I hadn't thought about this was, Hey, you know, this will help give me what two thirds of a day, which is more than they had that much data as far as Hudson card and Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy. And he admitted kind of in a more direct sense at the touchdown club, like, you know, I'm, I'm like you all, the sooner I can make that decision, the better for any, everybody, uh, the better for you. So you got crap to talk about while chopping it up, like at the water cooler and the better for our team, we got to behoove ourselves to make that happen. So he's definitely going to use those 16 hours in the summer as additional data uh, in order to determine, you know, okay, I've I've seen this. Am I seeing a grasping of the offense? Am I seeing good throws? Of course, it's not real football. It, you know, that's, that's played in pads with a helmet with five in front of you and 11 coming after you. So it's a little bit different than, than that, but it's just additional data and it's going to help in several different position battles one thing I do wonder about is, you know, we we're used to workouts and there have been times during the course of an off season where you hear about someone having a non-contact injury, unfortunately, I hope that doesn't happen, but I, I do wonder not just at Texas, but just across college football. If now that they have these, this basically extra 16 hours of practice time, uh, which what, if you get about, if you go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, get to uh, basically you have a a week of practice two weeks of practice ish spread throughout the summer I kind of wonder are we going to see maybe uh, some injuries that normally wouldn't pop up in the summer begin to pop up but uh, hopefully it never comes to that for for any school uh, and hopefully all that happens is all these different schools are able to 
get additional practice time, get additional data and uh, better prepare for the, for the offs or for the upcoming season. I mean, pros have OTAs and that kind of, it sounds a little bit similar to that. Yeah. I, I think that if I'm looking at it, um, you know, what's worse is a harder conditioning period. You know, we, we've in the middle of summer, uh, that's not actually better for an athlete, you know, <laughs> uh, sometimes it's better to actually work out with the, with the ball on the field. I think it's funny though. I, I will say this, it's one of those rules that makes me laugh. You can't have a ball on the field. Well, you can do everything else, but why, why wouldn't you be able to have a ball on the field? I mean, it's, I mean, I think no offense to the UIL, uh, but they have something similar to that, like that in the state high school associations, uh, not just in Texas, but around the, and I understand the thought process behind it, but in reality, it doesn't work that way. They're working them just as hard, if not harder without a football. And so I, I find it, it's one of those rules that just, it just doesn't fit. It's almost like that try as hard as you can to, to make NIL exactly the way you want NIL to be. You're not going to be able to do yeah. that or with a ball in, in your hand. I mean, it's just, it's one of those that just seems like a superfluous rule in the first, uh, in the first uh, part. Um, anything else you want to add uh, overall on Sark and, and uh, what you saw from him over the last couple of weeks? Um, he, he's, he's a good public speaker. Um, certainly I think everybody think believes he's likable. Um, and that's even after a five and seven season, like he, I think he's still throughout the fan base has a good amount of goodwill towards him just because he seems, he doesn't deflect. He's pretty honest. He, he has a good demeanor. I, I think there's still a lot of goodwill, uh, towards Sarkeesian. Um, the one, one curious thing was, I, I don't, maybe this, this was asked in, uh, San Antonio and Fort Worth, two stops I missed, but I didn't think there were very many questions about like the defense, which was a little bit odd. Um, maybe, you know, if you're going to these types of events, you're mostly supportive, I'd say, instead of overly critical. Uh, no one wants to be the, you know, the person pissing in the punch bowl uh, at, at these types of things, I, I suppose. Um, but one the one thing that stood out to me, at least on Monday, was he talked about he was asked about getting physically overmatched in late portions of the game, uh, surrendering those leads. And he really, I don't want to say he pushed back, but he, he didn't really think it was a physical thing. He, he thought it was just that mental aspect of it. So um, I granted, we, I think we had heard throughout the off season that there were some tweaks to the strength and conditioning program. And it's not like these guys are, dummies you know they have the latest and greatest technology he talked about that you know testing hamstrings and testing calves and all all different sorts of things so i i think uh, one of the he just really emphasizes that hey we just had to be mentally tougher and we weren't last year and that was something that i i messed up and yeah, he, he I, said I, I like in the first in, in the first three quarters we fit the run perfectly and in the fourth quarter we didn't and you know look, there's something to be said about being a mentally weak team and giving up those leads. I think anybody that undergoes a six game losing streak, um, like they did probably has some issues in that category and they reared their ugly head at the wrong time. Um, but, um, anyways, Joe, I, I appreciate you. You're the one that's on the road, seeing the coach, talking to him, hearing what he has to say. Uh, I know the fans here, um, uh, appreciate it. 
the readers of on are the readers of Inside Texas. Uh, definitely uh, appreciate your your uh, uh, contributions on a daily basis as well. Uh, for Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, thanks for watching on Texas Football.